sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. Get this message out here. I'm doing what I love to help a community out. Like, yeah, you know I mean, what is the next step? What's the one thing I can do today? That's gonna get us one. So, I mean, I don't know what's what's in the future. Art is the only way you can reach out to the future. It is the only thing that actually lives through a time capsule. And I think that if the DIY scene as a whole put more of a value on itself, it could be a lot more sustainable. Now, if someone doesn't like it, that's their deal. Looks like you're recording too. What's going on? Good enough. All right. All right. Here we are. So we were just chatting about you know being in bands and. What you said was you don't have to lose your ass out there. You don't. So let, let, let's elaborate on that let's before start I get into that. anything, before anybody even knows who you are. Oh, okay. All right. Because um, this is probably going to be some, some I'm profound I'm an anonymous shit. person, and I'm <laughs> telling the world that you don't have to lose your ass out there. No, you can... Um, uh, I think you were just kind of like talking about like, well, we're, you know, your band is kind of well past the point of being so hungry where you're just going to go play anywhere, anytime for anybody. And, you know, I'll, I'll play a lot of places. Um, but you d you don't have to lose your ass out there and, and you can always kind of like get the vibe about how things are going to go yeah. sort of in advance. I'm not a, I'm not a prophet, but you can always kind of tell by how the Facebook event looks. <laughs> yeah. How the Facebook event looks and how, just promotion from the bands in general, even outside of that. Right. And you can, yeah, you can you can always tell. And and when you see like when you see how the bands are handling it on their end at home, like that's always like a little frustrating. The one that always gets me, um, and I'm sure you guys have run into this on tour as well, when you know, you you've booked, you know, you've booked a tour, be it a long weekend, be it a week, be it a month, whatever you got, and you're in a town where you've never been before and you have messaged some other bands, you're putting together the bill, you've got your bill together and the night comes and it's very obvious that the other bands have just done nothing to, to make this evening work. Yeah. You know, like they haven't flyered, they haven't gone out of their way to tell anyone. And I can't say how many times we've gotten the thing of like, Oh, and then after the set's over, like, oh, we didn't we didn't know you guys were good. Well, come back again and we'll really do it up right this time. Like what? <laughs> man, it would really help us if we could do it up have been doing it up right tonight. That would have really been great. Yeah. <laughs> if we could just do that, you know. And also it kind of makes me wonder, like, do you do you even listen to the bands that you're that are asking you to play shows with them? And as well, um, man, don't you just know how it is out there? Like that's really it's, it's a cold move, you know? It's a cold I, move. I don't think it's necessarily intentionally cold. I think it's a lot of mm -hmm. the times you get promoters that are also in bands and also do all, they're sure. juggling a lot. So they're just kind of saying yes to things and, but right. not, but to a fault. Yes. You know? Yes. So sort of overextending yourself and all yeah. of that. And I've, I've definitely been that guy before myself. Definitely. So I can, I can relate. So before we get into this any deeper, I'm going to do my introduction, then you could do your introduction, and we'll just talk about making music, All right. playing shows, Let's do it, and dealing with buttholes. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes, and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it, and thanks so much for listening. But if you're new to the show... Welcome 
Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today, me and my guest, who is yet to be named, are drinking some Big Ditch. Once again, Big Ditch has been a on a staple in the past few beer-centric episodes of the cast. We're drinking, both drinking uh, Beautiful River. It's their their Belgian-style Saison, and it is uh, pretty good. What do you think of this? This is great. I could drink 12 ounces of this. <laughs> well, perfect, because that's what you're holding in your hand. <laughs> so for the listeners out there that don't know who you are, even after reading your name on the episode title, who would it be? Who it is? <laughs> uh... My name is William Matheny, uh, 33 male, Morgantown, West Virginia, if you need my ASL. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. Oh, yeah. Very, very happy to have you on here. You were set up through our mutual friend, Jeff Benton, a.k.a. Misra Records, of which you are my a man. recording artist. Yes. And it's my belief that you have some new music on the horizon. That is true. Well, we, um, we released... Um, our first record, Strange Constellations, last year on Mizra, and on April 27th, which is, I don't know when this is going to be coming out exactly, but as of right now, that was about two weeks ago, uh, Mizra released um, our second album, Moon Over Canova, which is um, a bit of a, it's a digital-only thing, so it's only like on Spotify and iTunes and those kinds of things. It doesn't exist in a physical form. And it's really more of like an appendix to Strange Constellations as opposed to like just kind of a full release on its own. It's a it's a companion piece, if okay. you will. You know? Was it some songs that were written around the same time? Yeah, it's, like a, a, it's a lot of stuff. It's, it's some songs that we've been doing in the live set for a while that is sort of like from the same batch of material that I feel like needed to have people hear you, them. Yeah, you wanted it to be released. Yeah, we wanted it to have its own thing, but it probably wouldn't fit into the next album. Cool. And then we have like some alternate versions of the same songs that I also think are really cool, but you wouldn't really put that on another album too. Uh, we got some live stuff, some demos. It's kind of like um, taking one last look around your apartment before you... Uh, like turn in your key and hope you get your security deposit back. Yeah. And then you're moving awesome on to your analogy. new place. Yeah. I really, really like that. This is kind of, it's my last, it's my 2017 house cleaning that you're listening to. That's fucking awesome. Cool. So digital only release. And I guess that's just kind of, I was going to ask you why, but then you pretty much explained that. Well, um, I would love to see it get a physical at some point. Um, if only because somebody got a tattoo of the album cover this week. Holy smokes. Which is insane to me that that this could be a thing that's happening. Not that I think it's an insane action. If the guy who has the tattoo is listening, I want to offer you my sincerest thanks and how humbled I am by what you did. Um, but uh, yeah, the artwork is really cool. So I would love to see it get something physical there. But actually, the reason why we did it is uh, Mizra wanted to release a second vinyl pressing of Strange Constellations. And the first pressing has silver foil vinyl, or like silver foil on the cover. Yeah. And to make the second edition a little more special, they did it with gold foil instead. Ah. And they wanted to have bonus tracks. Yeah. So people can kind of like, you know, there's like a sap for somebody to buy this and, and check it out. So when you get the gold foil edition of that, you actually get a download of Moon Over Canova too. So you get, you get like downloads of like two albums. It's like, you're walking away with like 25 songs for your iPod that's or your, your, your Zune. That's some bang you know? for your, some, your Zune. That's some bang for your buck right there. Just trying to keep the customer satisfied, man. Yeah. So yeah. now, what kind of music is 
what you're doing? Because I've listened to it, so I obviously know, but how would you describe it to anyone that hasn't listened to you before? Oh, well, um, man, that's always that's always a tough one, and I think it's just because everyone needs to feel like what they're doing is really special. I usually just tell people it's singer-songwriter music. Um, I think usually the reason I like that is because it doesn't really it doesn't really tell you what it is. Like it, it's, it really just gives you more of like the format that it's in. Yeah. So like if you get right down to it, like Bob Marley was a singer songwriter, or if you get right down to it, you know, Joan Baez is a singer songwriter, or I guess anyone who's just- Or Tom Petty. Or Tom Petty, you know, yeah. for example. Like we get um, lumped in with Americana a lot, which um, I suppose is maybe accurate to some degree. Um, I always just think it's just rock and roll. Like that's kind of what I keep coming back to. Like I didn't really intend. I could to... I could pick up on like a traditional rock and roll sure. sort of sound from what you're doing. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I I find that I talk to a lot of younger people on the podcast. You said you're 32. 33. 33. Okay, I'm 32. I'm going to be 33 this year. So we're the same age. Hold my and take a look (laughs) at my life. (laughs) So I talk with a lot of people, though, that are kind of in their early 20s. Sure, yeah. And I was in my early 20s once. Yeah. But when when you were in your early 20s, did the term rock music leave a bad taste in your mouth? Because it seems to like hmm. be something that a lot of younger people seem to dodge now. Oh, well, I'm I'm pretty like adamant about making sure it's rock and roll whenever we talk about it. Like, yeah. Um, just because that's sort of what we do, I think. Rock music doesn't leave a bad taste in my mouth at all. I love rock music. Yeah. Always have, you know? Like, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm into it, man. It doesn't like leave a bad taste in my mouth in, in the way that like... um. I was going to say cilantro does, but that's not really true because I love cilantro too. <laughs> it's, um, just, it's, it's really funny though because I'll talk to, I'll be describing band, like what I think a band sounds like. And I'm like, you sure. guys are like a rock band. And they're yeah. like, what? We oh, don't sound like, like Nickelback. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that, you know, my mind <laughs> never goes there. Like I can, I can see why somebody would think that. But I think it's just Speak- a product of the generation, I guess. Cause that's, yeah. the, unfortunately, that's what they know to be as rock music. Well, it's like when I think of like rock music, I just think of like Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. like or something like that. You know, like, um, I guess when I say like rock and roll, like to describe what we do, I think is what we're doing. It, it kind of derives a lot of influences from like, I mean, you know, what is pretty classic traditional stuff at this point, like Beatles or Velvet Underground or, you know, Bruce Springsteen or Tom Petty or back to singer songwriters. Like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Or like Chuck Berry, you know, like, or Little Richard, stuff like that, you know, um, and then when I think of like rock music, I always just think of, yeah, my mind just goes to like Led Zeppelin or, um, you know, like electric Neil Young or something like that. Totally, like I, totally. You know, like, and, and man, I have no negative connotations with either of those things. <laughs> like, that's great. Sure. Yeah. Like my mind doesn't immediately go to Nickelback. If my mind immediately went to Nickelback, I could see why. I could see why those people would not want to be lumped into that. And I'm not really one for slagging on other stuff, but I can, I can see how you would not want to go down there, man. I hate Nickelback so much. It makes me hate Nickel Creek. (laughs) Now with you as a musician, let's, let's touch briefly on, we'll say the roots of your your rock and roll. By the way, they told me this was a freewheeling podcast. So I'm trying to, Trying to get go loose here. Oh, this be is, loose. All right. Okay. Yeah, there's no rules. I didn't know if I was. Uh, you can even say a bad word if you shooting want. from the hip. No. Too too fucking much. No, you're solid. All right, all right, cool. No, all right. you're good. Let's let's let loose. Mm. The juice is loose. Oh yeah. <laughs> this candor is brought to you by uh, Big Ditch. Yes. Thanks. 
if you ever want to sponsor the podcast, we will gladly take any beer. All right. Yeah. Sounds great. If you want to sponsor one of William's tours, he'll gladly take any beer. Absolutely. But yes, roots of your music. How did you get started? Were you always writing this kind of music or um, was there something different when you were starting out? I, you know, there's part of me that thinks it was super different, but that probably wasn't, if I'm being honest. Like, um... I'm kind of I'm kind of a lifer, really. Like, uh, there was always music around the house growing up. My dad was a musician. I had like uncles who were in bands and stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of always a thing that was around. Rock and roll bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my, my dad was a was in a bluegrass band. Okay. And then um, I had an uncle who played like electric guitar and like he had a Stratocaster and he loved Led Zeppelin and he had like a a neon Budweiser. Like, uh, <laughs> like a like, bar light, like a bar light in his bedroom. And when I was a kid, I thought that was like the most badass thing ever. You know? Um, so he was a rocker, totally. You know, he he was a rocker for sure. And like, I thought that was really sick. Um, but yeah, like I kind of grew up playing. Uh, I guess kind of oscillating between those two things. Like there was always like a lot of like bluegrass and like singer songwriter stuff around the house. And then also like my dad was super into like rock music too. Like, you know, Beatles and the Stones and Led Zeppelin and that kind of thing. And then when I was a teenager, um, I grew up in a really small town. So I didn't really like have access to like the obscure stuff too much when I was a kid. And I know this isn't like a great story, but like, Honestly, getting the internet at my house was kind of like the game changer for me discovering like underground music sure. and stuff. Because well, before then, it was just kind of like the Mount Rushmore of stuff. You know, like what you could hear on oldies radio or classic rock radio or country radio. And like I grew up like I grew up about 30 miles away from like a university town where I couldn't quite tune into the college radio station. Like, yeah, I could maybe get it a little bit, but it was like. It was kind of covered in and this static. was in West Virginia. This was in West Virginia, and it sort of made like it made the pavement records sound even weirder, like <laughs> than they do, you know. And um, it wasn't really until getting the internet that I could kind of like say that I sort of like started diving into like stuff that like you wouldn't find at the Fye. And like, I mean, as once again, as it's not a very good story, but like, man, Napster, what a what a summer that was. Yeah, just. Up all night drinking Surge Cola, <laughs> just downloading my ass off. Taking you know? like two and a half days to download a song. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I loved it, man. Like it, but uh, that kind of like was my first kind of like experience, like listening to things that like not everybody knew about, you know, or not everyone that I knew knew about. Well, anyway. I think that was the you same know? thing for a lot of people that are in our age range. Sure, like we're we're the same age basically. Yeah. So like that was. That was the real line in the sand. Yeah, we didn't know? have we didn't come from the the cell phone, social media, sharing sure sort of environment. Like the closest thing to sharing for me when I was in high school was, you know, somebody burning a CD for me, maybe or something like that. Yeah, which do you remember even like the first time somebody did that? I remember like somebody like finding out that somebody could burn a CD just in general was yeah. like what. That was a that was a heady thing, and like, I, yeah, I remember like you know, we got dial up internet when I was in like eighth grade or something like that. It was like the summer after eighth grade, and then, um, yeah, just like the idea of like for me, it was even one step further because I had a I had a cassette deck in my car, 
So I had to like download stuff from Napster, burn it onto CD, and then dub that CD onto tape. Wow. That's so I could dedication. listen to music in the car. Yeah. Which now is just a ridiculous <laughs> amount of steps to take. Like, when but you if think you, about if you want something bad enough, you'll work for it. Yeah. I mean, and which is kind that, of like a metaphor to being a musician in general. Well, that's actually true. Like, it taught me determination earlier. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if I came up today and I just had to go on Spotify, I wouldn't be as determined as I am. Yeah, maybe I that's know, why these know? people aren't promoting shows that we play. Exactly. They're, they're <laughs> not Spotify. Because <laughs> they haven't fucking had to take wait three fucking weeks for an album to download and then burn it onto a CD that costs five dollars and then transfer oh yeah it to cdrs were really expensive they were very expensive oh, i remember that i, I totally <laughs> forgot about that do you remember cds in general there was a time when like cds were like 20 bucks oh if yeah you went to the like your fye like you had mentioned oh man yeah and i remember like man th those were really the times but that was that was something like i think there's 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 a really interesting i think you and i have and i hope i'm not like just saying this because it's like my period of history. But I think you and I kind of occupy a weird space in this where we remember the old days. We remember, and we obviously remember the new days because they're happening now. Yes. And you have everything that's just completely different and like both seem totally normal to me. Oh yeah. Like I don't really think that one is different than, it's... well, they're way different, but I won't say one is necessarily better than the other, but like I can remember a time when there was none of this. And I obviously know a time where there's all of it. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah. You I know? think it's cool. I don't think one way was better than the other. I don't really like when people romanticize that idea of the old days because nothing was really changed all that much. Well, the, the, I, the, the thing that I always heard was that everything that happens before you're 20 is natural. Everything that happens between 20 and 40 is revolutionary. And then everything that happens after 40 is completely foreign to you. Okay. And, um, you know, I really hope I'm not one of those people who's like that. And I've obviously, I know plenty of people who are over 40 who like can hang, you know, yeah. with, with what's going on. But I think there is something to that. Like when you're a kid, this is just the way it always is and the way it should be. And then I, I was over the age of 20 whenever I saw like an iPhone for the first time, for example. So that seemed like a pretty crazy world to me that you can just be on the internet wherever you are. Yeah. It was really, really, I remember the first time I had a buddy that came over and he had a cell phone that could access AIM, the instant messaging service. Whoa. And I was like, talking what? to everybody. <laughs> no way. Um, the, the first tours that I went on were, um, I had a cell phone. We had cell phones, but they were all like, you know, the old Nokias and mm -hmm. stuff. And we had, you know, we had printed out directions from MapQuest. And, like, I think I think I brought a laptop with me. Like, and I was, like, kind of the techie of the group for having done that. Yeah. And that was, like, but you still had to, like, go find a coffee shop somewhere to, like, go do your emailing and all this stuff. And I remember the first time that... I was on a tour with someone who had an iPhone and it was like this, they had, they had the key to the universe there. It's like, we were looking up where to go for Chipotle. It was amazing. Totally. You know? And that was, you know, I know this all sounds incredibly normal. This also wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of history. But, uh huh. You know. It's very interesting. Cause when did you start performing out a lot as a musician? Like what year? Um, 
Well, it's sort of like, I guess it would sort of depend on how you define performing out a lot. Like, I started performing in public and getting, like, paid for it in 1994. Okay. Um, that was the first time. I was 10, and I was in a classic rock cover band with my father. Right. And um, I played guitar, and there were, like, some other musicians, and we played, like... um bars and restaurants and like um animal clubs and stuff like that okay. it was the um fridays and saturdays four hours a night the bands would get paid 250 or 300 bucks yeah you know and just tons of classic rock covers and like some songs that i had written at that point and then i started playing original music and in like indie rock venues when i was 15 and that was in the year 2000. Yeah. So it's safe to yeah. say then that you've definitely like had, you've been, we've both been forced to grow as like performing artists through the social media age. Sure. Yeah. Which has been really interesting because it's like, you think you have something air quote figured out. Oh yeah. And then yeah, some absolutely. new thing comes along and all of a sudden you just feel like you don't know what you're doing. Oh, I remember. Over, and it's, I rem like, <laughs> it's been like a cycle of that. There's like 10 years of that. Oh yeah. Just over and over and over again. I was in this band called Southeast Engine for a long time. And that was kind of like the first like heavy touring band that I was in. And I remember when like Twitter came out. And I just remember our drummer, Leo, saying, like, how many of these things do we need to have? <laughs> you know, because we already yeah. had MySpace. We're on Facebook. Uh -huh. like, how many of these do we need to do? <laughs> I remember. Oh, how yeah. And I felt that way every time. Like, it's like, I don't, it's like Snapchat. I don't want to get on Snapchat. Oh, no. It's so funny whenever you mention so temporary. Like, you me know. Oh, yeah. That shit's super temporary. And when you mentioned, like, the first time you saw somebody that had an iPhone, it you viewing it as a key to the universe, but now or at least all a key people, of where to of where to get lunch. Yeah, you know? but now <laughs> you know you think iPhone, and it's just like, oh, this is a key to a Snapchat story, and all right. these very very silly, not particularly useful things, depending on well, I guess who you are. I always think too about how these things kind of provide something of like an instant barometer of like how you're doing. You know, like as a musician, like. You know, you kind of like look at bands and you're like, well, like if they have so many likes on Facebook, oh, they must be doing something well or they must be like <laughs> they must be out there doing their thing. Or like you see like a band that has this many followers on Instagram or something like that. And I always think about how when. um, uh, OK, so. I think I may even have the name wrong here. So it's it's kind of a bad story, but uh, this guy, Adam Meisterhans, <laughs> who plays guitar in our band, and Adam is like a session musician in Nashville, and he plays with a lot of, a lot of people, you know? But he, right before Red Simpson died, at like the age of, I want to say like 90, Adam played a gig with him. This was like, maybe like four years ago or something. And Red was talking about how when he first started playing music, his brother-in-law got him a job at an auto plant somewhere. And he quit the auto plant job to go on the road because his old band was getting back together and they got a record contract and they were going to put out a single. And, and this would have been, it was like 1950 or something. And that must have seemed like going out to sea at that point, like the idea of going on a tour at that point. Whereas now it's really 
it's not that weird. Like no. you just you're you're out there. You can like call and text people at any time, and everyone can see what you're doing. And it's like it's not really a big dramatic thing. And you also have this barometer of how you're doing. Like you can gauge how the show's going to be tonight. Okay, here we are in Buffalo. We got a hundred confirmed people in the Facebook thing. It looks like everybody's doing their thing on the other end. This is going to be a good night. I think there was maybe different ways to gauge it then, though. Exactly. Like through like our local radio stations talking about it. Sure. Have these newspapers printed it. Yeah. And things like that. Um, But you couldn't really check it at any time. You could like kind of check it at these like specific moments or Mm -hmm. something. And like, I think that's kind of a really cool thing where it must have seemed it must have seemed a lot more reckless maybe at the time or maybe not. Maybe I have no idea of what that was actually about, but like this is kind of going back to like, well, he was having, you know, a conversation with someone who was really there for that. Like in those early days of, of man, can you imagine booking? Like I even think about how, like what it was like in the eighties when like black flag was booking a tour. Like there wasn't a circuit in those days. Like every, everything kind of after that, like, kind of like post like black flag and and you know Husker Du and and really like post 1980 you could say there's kind of this circuit that bands are on like you can visualize a path yeah I, and i and i'm not saying that everybody gets to be not everybody gets to be famous not everybody gets to have a career but if you kind of see like the circuit that these bands run if you kind of get in on that you won't get nothing you're going to get something out of it and then, um, you know, in those days, though, that that wasn't necessarily a guarantee. They were kind of making the circuit. They were like chopping the trees down so you can pave the road and go do that, which is pretty, pretty wild to me. It was kind of the first time in history where you have like you have like things that are super famous and then you have your roommate who plays guitar. And then all of a sudden there's like this echelon in between. Which is you know yeah i do it's great that it's there i think that there was more of a not anybody could do this back then versus now where it's very much it's very egalitarian it's very accessible so sure anybody can be a musician anybody can get on the road anybody can do this and that because it's very easy yeah you know if you really want to do it like there's there's literally nothing stopping you like you can you can get out there you can book the shows you know what you do in your 45 minutes is your thing. And there's nothing stopping you from that. Yeah. Which is, is pretty great, really. You know, rock and roll is a populist thing. Everyone should be able to do it. It's just a matter of how much bullshit you're willing to deal with. Yeah. I think that's really what it comes down to, <laughs> honestly. Like, because, I mean, that's kind of where we started this whole conversation was essentially on the the foundation of having a be able to smell bullshit and decide whether or not it's worth following that or not. Well, eventually you just work a little smarter is, yeah. is what it comes down to. Like, well, this is, this is maybe not going to be worth our time or this is, there's maybe a more efficient way that we could achieve the same results. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. We, you know, with Grey Walker, we don't, we don't play out as much as we would nearly like to but we do make sure that when we do go out of town that it's going to be something that is well worth our effort. Well, I think if you, um, really, if you're, if you're putting the effort of like loading all the stuff in the van and driving the, however many hours you have to go, like 
you may as well make sure it's going to be great as yeah. opposed to just like hanging out, playing some tunes in the basement. Unfor- like is, I mean, unfortunately, you know, we're not, none of us are 20 anymore. So we don't really sure. even have the time to sacrifice. Cause like the reality of the situation is it's like not all of us are doing music full time in the band. Sure. And we have, you know, families and other responsibilities. And it's like, you know, if we're taking time away from all of that to go out and play a show, we want it to be, you know, a really good show and we want to have good time just because it's, it's very valuable to us. The time of course, like so much more valuable to us now. Well, I think that that's a, that can be a very good thing though. And that it makes you focus on really what's working as opposed to, um, I don't know if you were like this when you were a younger person. Like I was one of these people who was like in like six bands, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, you know, playing like a different instrument in each band and like all genres of music, like you're kind of in everything from this to this. And I think that's a really great learning experience. And I would recommend it for anyone, honestly, like there's a certain like time in your life where I think you should be saying yes to everything that comes to you. Like all kinds of things. Just, just do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot. I wouldn't like apply that same logic to brain surgery, but you know, if you want to be a musician, just, you know, get in there and do it. Um, but then at a certain point you kind of realize what's really working for you and what isn't really working for you. And when you have kind of the forced limitation of time in your life, whether that be, um, you have like a job or you have, um, like a family, you know, you have a personal life you need to maintain that can really make you focus on really the things that are, that are valuable. Like, um, I'm probably never going to learn how to play saxophone and that's okay. I don't really have the time to do that. (laughs) But, like, I have a thing that I like to do, and I have a thing that kind of works for me, and I can kind of put all of my time into that, and that's that's really great, you know? Like, I don't know if you want to be in, like, a third-wave ska band or not, but, like, you may not have the time in your life to do that yeah, right no. now. Like, yeah. but you can focus on Greywalker and making that as good as it can possibly be. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much... I'm at this point in my life now where I'm like very happy with how everything's going. You know, I have a a job that I really like and people in my life that I really care about. And a band. Yeah. I'm in a band with my best friends. And, you know, I'm at a point now where it's like I'm not saying that I am allowing myself to be too comfortable or plateau. And I'm not going to well, push yeah. to keep going. Of course. But I think it's important, you know, to be able to take the time to reflect and really enjoy and appreciate what you have. Well, I think it's important. And uh, I think that sometimes with some musicians or artists in general, or just even just people in general, they don't always take the time to appreciate what they have. They they get something they were chasing for, and then they just keep going for more, 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 more. Oh, yeah. And it's, yeah, kind, of of a, it's kind of like a, a bummer way to live if you can't ever take the time to appreciate what you've worked so hard for. Well, there's kind of no end game to that, really. Yeah. Like, if there's always going to be something else, like, you will live however long you're going to live somewhat unsatisfied, you know, and that's, I think a little bit of dissatisfaction can be a good thing because it can kind of keep you motivated. Like you got to stay hungry, but like, yeah, at the same time, I mean, you got to find a right balance with that because it's just no way to be. Where are you at on that spectrum? Do you feel, do you feel balanced? Uh, man, that's a good question. (laughs) 
in my personal life, I feel very balanced. Like I feel like I'm in, in a very good place there. Um, artistically, like I still feel like there's like a lot to prove. And I think that's, I think that's like a healthy way to put it. That's the healthy way to, I I think that's the healthy way to be like, I feel okay about it. Like in the sense of like, I don't have like things that nag at me like as a human, you know, or like there are things that like, you know, that in my life that I need to drastically rearrange, except like I need to make a record that's better than the one we just did. And I need to like play shows that are better than the ones we just played. And like, I want more people to know about it and I want to connect with more people like in all of those things. So I'm, I'm still very like very full speed ahead with that. And, and I think, you know, it's not like a matter of plateauing if you're just like learning from your mistakes. Like there's, there's a thing about, um, I think like playing music where it can feel like Sisyphus, but you're like unloading a van, like, as opposed to like, you know, pushing a boulder up a hill all the time. And if you're like finding efficient ways that you can like make, you know, you can cover ground as, as an artist and you can find that, like there's nothing wrong with just taking the shortcut and focusing on that. Like that's, that's what you want to be doing. You know, as an artist, how are you? Get that warp whistle, you know? (laughs) As an artist, how are you with the concept of compromise? Uh, like, do you find yourself... Because, like, with hmm. me, and I think with a lot of people that I know, we're kind of always forced to compromise something in one way or another. You okay, know? Um, here, here's my question for you. I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to answer this with some caveats here. Okay. Um, what kinds of compromises are you meaning? Okay, I guess it is kind of a big question. We'll say, because um, some of them, anything, I'm, some of them I'm cool with, some of them I'm not. Totally, like totally. I've got my, I've got my deal breakers. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we'll say like anything from like maybe something as simple as like compromising your band member schedules. Like you know, say somebody can't do something on a certain day. You know, those the, the scheduling compromises versus like artistic compromises where it's like, oh, I want to record this album a certain way, but it's not. Ter- I had this idea of how this album was going to sound or this product was going to sound and it's not sounding the way I want it to. Do you find it's easy for you? Okay. To- artistic compromises. I'm pretty unyielding about. Yeah. Like scheduling compromises. We'll find a way to make that work. Yeah. Like I'm not going to hold anyone to the fire because yeah. they have to do something, you know, yeah. but like, uh, in terms of, in terms of like the things that are going to be here forever, like that's I'm pretty unyielding about that. Like I don't want, you know, when it comes right down to it, like an album you make or a song you record, I don't really know about what's going to happen after I'm dead, but I do know that we live in an age of recorded music where there's probably going to be a version of this that's out there somewhere forever. And I really don't want that to just be like the, the end product of a lot of compromises that I made around that time in my life, because really the circumstances that surround the creation of something will eventually go away. You know, like the Sistine Chapel, not that I'm comparing anything I'm doing to the Sistine (laughs) Chapel, because that would be very, very high flown, but like whatever, whatever else was happening you know, like after he got off the scaffolds each day, like nobody remembers that. 
but everybody remembers what's there. Yeah. And like the same thing with, uh, you know, like a great record or something that was made like 30 or 40 years ago or one that was made last year even. Like so much can change so quickly that like I don't want to kind of do something halfway in that way um, where you, you know, you've made something and like, well, it's fine, I guess. And it's mostly fine because we weren't really able to like get it to where we wanted it to be mostly because we just like wanted to go home early or we couldn't get the tones right or something like, no, let's just let's stay until it's right. So it's going to be around forever. So let's just keep doing it until it's correct. So like in this age of now, now, now everything has to be done quick and competition and uh, all that you find yourself being more willing to take the extra time needed or not really necessarily having like, being concerned with deadlines as long as like whatever it takes to get the product right. Sure. Um, I'm willing to sacrifice a deadline if that's what it's going to take. I, I, I'd rather not, I yeah. suppose like I'm, I'm like realistic about it. Like I do know that like if like if I waited three years in between records, like with the way it is today, people just totally forget about you. Um, but on the, the other hand, You know, it's going to be around forever. So you can get into this now. You can get into it 10 years from now. You can get into it long after I'm gone. But what I'm doing is going to be here. And if somebody is interested in, in kind of like coming into that and, and checking it out and, and getting on board, they're always going to be welcome to do it. Like, you don't have to do it now. I'll be here. <laughs> so with... The age of now, 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 and social media and all that stuff, and I'm going crazy with my arms because that's what it feels like. <laughs> there are, you know, there how are do you hundred navig- thousand YouTube videos, and yeah, they all how- start with "What's up, guys?" <laughs> <laughs> how do you navigate this environment as a artist, and you know, putting your work into that big messy mess of the internet? I'm fine with it. It really doesn't feel like a, um, it doesn't feel like an ugly thing to me. Yeah. Do you like stay on top of it though? Are you like, you like really adamant about things? Are you like scheduling social media posts and doing like branding and all these other tactics um, and things like that? Cause like uh, you can get really crazy or are you just kind of like doing stuff like here's the thing I did. Here it goes. Um, I, I try to get out there. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm like, oh guys. It's Tuesday at 2 p.m. This is peak posting time. We need to get out there. Like, I'm not gonna That's go that I'm not gonna go that far with it, probably. Yeah. But I mean, there's also like the realities of like if you're if you're legitimately going to keep doing something, like you need like a modicum of popularity for that to happen. Like, uh it can't entirely just be um well, actually, no, I guess it can. I'm, I'm really going back and forth here. Um, I have no problem. Well, there's no so, right answer. Well, I guess there isn't. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm saying this like what I'm going to say is like, it's, d- did I pass the test, Sykes? Did I do it? Did I do totally. It? I'm, just, know, I'm like, just curious like, um, because I think like there's like this interesting difference that I always see with people that are like in our age group versus people, again, that I talk to that are younger that yeah. are just super like, yeah, like I'm scheduling, po- you know, like it's very interesting to see like how 
it seems like it's like a, a generational thing with the way people interact with technology and sure. how they use it yeah. to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm all about, like, if I can use this to my advantage in some way, like, sure, that's great, you know? Um, I can't say that I'm, like, doing, like, scheduled posts. Yeah. I, I am, like, well aware enough to know that, like, the tweet that I put out there into the world at 3 a.m. after a show is probably going to get a little less traction <laughs> than something I'm doing at 3 p.m., you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I try to be, like, mindful of that stuff. Um, I haven't started a band hashtag yet or okay. something like that. You know? Are you, in terms of, we've mentioned Twitter a, a good bit. Are you a, a Twitter user, Instagram? Yeah. I, what I, do you prefer? Um, I like, probably Instagram is my favorite. I think it's the best for bands, but I know some musicians that do really well on, music, on Twitter. I like Twitter too. I like both of those. Um, I have a weird relationship with Facebook. Um, uh. I'm thinking of going dark on there pretty soon, actually. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm going to keep the band page going, but I think it's maybe time to hang it up, hang up the personal one. Um, it's getting a little weird. In terms of how do you want to, you want to dig into that? Sure. Well, okay. Um, the way it's getting weird is that I'm really, I'm Facebook friends with a lot of people that I do not know. And, and largely, oh, yeah, yeah, largely yeah. this is on me because I'll just accept any friend request that comes mm -hmm. my way. And I think it's probably because the name of my band and my name are the same thing. So people that so, like you want a friend request you and you don't it, want to deny it. Exactly. Whereas with like something like Greywalker, like there's an extra step of research that you would have to do to like send friend requests to all of the people in your band, which I'm sure there are people who do that. Um, and... Honestly, like I found myself recently, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm 33 years old. I'm like idly scrolling through Facebook, not knowing half of these people. Like, this is just no way to be alive, man. I'm really not living my life. This is really weird. You know, yeah. like this is a strange thing. I don't really need, I don't like the way it makes my brain work in a way. Yeah. Like it's a very, um, it's I, a strange thing. I, that, and, and Twitter and Instagram don't make me feel as bad. In, in in that way. Yeah. Because like, I, I, I agree. They're with still kind of dangerous, maybe in a way. Like it's a little bit like uh, you know, one of these is great, two of these is great. If I had twelve of these, that's probably not good. Yes. You know. With I think with Facebook, mine's kind of a muddy mess too of people that either I don't know at all and I never knew because they just requested me for random reasons, or people that I used to be friends with and I just we've lost touch over the years and I see, I think it's, it's been around a lot longer than my Twitter account or my right. Instagram account. Yeah. So it's had like an extra few years of accumulating things. And I think sure. by the time that Twitter and Instagram came along, I was more hip to the fact that it's like, I don't need to follow all of these people on these platforms. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's right. My like Instagram, I, I, I have a Twitter. I don't use it too much, but my Instagram is a lot more curated with people who I actually care about and businesses. I want to know what they're doing. Well, sure. Yeah, Whereas exactly. Facebook is very much like a mess of people. I don't know with everyone, opinions that I don't time. care about. So there was a while when I had started unfollowing a lot of people on my Facebook, but that's just like, it's so much work. Well, it really is. It's, it's so much work. It's maybe more work than wading through all of their bullshit. Every yeah. Day. And the thing that kind of weirds me out a little bit is like I get, I get all these friend requests from people I don't know. I'm assuming it's because they like the band. 
And then like there's like some like really horrific like Trumpy shit that they're saying. Okay. And yeah. I'm like, it makes me wonder what I'm putting out into the universe with my music that I'm attracting these people. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like, I would man, say like, that's one what? thing that I'm kind of like really fortunate on is I haven't had to deal with there wasn't anybody on my that I was that I caught wind of on my accounts on any of my social media that were like in that realm of like Ugh. and I, I I just kind of lucked out on that. It was a little weird. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it happens a lot. It just happens every now and again. Like and and even then I don't unfriend people or anything. It's just kind of like oh this there's this guy and I have no idea who this guy is. And you know, I've only this guy's a lot of views I don't really align with. I've only um, unfriended one person on Facebook in my entire life. And keeping in mind, like, I'm still friends with pretty much any ex-girlfriend I've ever had or any fallen relationship or friendship, unless they removed me. Okay. You know, but the only person I ever deleted from Facebook, I deleted them because they made some post about the Power Rangers being better than the Ninja Turtles, and it got on my nerves, <laughs> and I unfriended them. Oh, come on. I mean, that's... It was just... Yeah. Who thinks that? I mean, to be what fair, kind of person? to be fair, this person was actually just really obnoxious and posted really stupid <laughs> shit all the it time. Wasn't just that, but that was the one that was just like, ah, you know, fuck this person. Can we? Uh, can we take a restroom break? Absolutely. Can I say that on here too? Yeah, I don't care. We can I've, do that. Uh, it's Mother's Day today. I, I, <laughs> I drank like a like a gallon of coffee with my mother earlier. Yeah. So no, please. I'll be right back. Oh yeah, go for it. If you go through the the kitchen. Yeah. And then make a right. So make a left through the kitchen and make a right. And there's a bathroom. You got it. Work. Flat. And I also respect you for requesting to take a restroom break because there's a lot of people that don't do it and then i'm like why was the last 20 minutes of this conversation so awkward and then we're done <laughs> and they're like man i really have to go to the bathroom it's just like, leave it in man something. just say something we're having a real human experience here. <laughs> yes. it's great and unfortunately you know well fortunately or unfortunately you know using the restroom is part of that human experience yeah man jeff told me this was a freewheeling thing so yes. that's that's what we're doing right yeah definitely so yeah, moving forward now we have, we have broken the conversation. So the last thing I was talking about was Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. So we yeah, could obviously the only people you we, had to unfriend on Facebook was this one particular person. Yeah. yeah, so we could really just dive back into wherever from here at this point. There's so much to say really on that. <laughs> um, this is my question actually. Yeah. So taking a brief sidestep outside of music, since we've kind of entered the realm of cartoons and comic books. All right, yeah. Uh, do you have any interests or hobbies outside of being a musician? Um, hmm, that's, that's a good one. Uh, I read a lot. Um, I, like, uh, I like films and stuff like that. Um, I don't like, you know. Uh, you don't participate in the- In the, uh, in the creation of yeah. them, really, or anything? No, not really. Um, uh wow this is this makes me sound very one-sided no uh, no you're not you're not at all um, so you're a film guy 
Yeah. Are you like a film guy in the sense that like there are certain directors that you like and things like that? Or I you wouldn't just even say keep I'm up like with that. movies. I kind of keep up with movies, I suppose. Like I, I'm kind of always like looking for like some old stuff. I would probably say like I'm more of like a book guy, really, than a than like a film guy. Okay. Even like that's so, kind of that would be sort of my. So this is going to be my, my question. other thing. This is going to yeah. be my question to you. All right. All right. This, if, okay. So let's say you had the opportunity to score a film. Oh, okay. Or make the, you know, create the music for the adaptation of a book. Oh, that okay. you like. Yeah. What book would you want to write the music for? Oh, man. Like I'm writing the score for a film adaptation of a book. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that might be a heavy question. That's just... a great question, though. I love it. Um, man, like The Moviegoer by Walker Percy would, okay. be, would be a big one. Uh, uh, like Pedro Paramo by Juan Rolfo, if somebody made a made a movie of that, or um, probably anything Flannery O'Connor, I would I would love to do that. That's kind of my, some of my favorite stuff. Um, wow, yeah, that's great. I would I would love that. That'd be wild. Noted. If any of you are listening, yeah. If there's anyone <laughs> listening who is making a film adaptation of any of those yeah. things I just mentioned, have uh, you ever get a hold of me? Have you ever gotten into um, licensing anything that you've written before for a movie or a book or something? Has that ever? Have you ever been approached with that sort of a deal? Um, I think we just we, we just did something um, for you know we're here in Pittsburgh um, Friday Night Rocks like the yeah the uh, the baseball thing. Yeah. The the pirates, um, I think they're playing one of our songs like going into commercial breaks. That's pretty cool. Um, so that's cool. Um, my old band had a couple things licensed to like some commercials and stuff like that, but it was never like it was never this thing where like oh we're our song was being used at a, a pivotal moment in like a uh, you know a great film or something like yeah. that. It was always kind of like all right, got some music and a Whataburger commercial. That's uh -huh. cool. All right. It's so funny because I, I work for a record label. It's my, my day job. Okay. And uh, it's funny when we get like royalty statements in from like, uh, like my boss's band uh, had one of their songs in like an episode of Dog the Bounty Hunter. All right. And just like seeing like the royalty check was like, you know, Dog the Bounty Hunter episode and then like something ridiculous, like 23 cents or some bullshit. Just All like, right. <laughs> but it was still there and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, I kind of welcome any and all of that, and I, I I guess this also goes back to like the age group that we're in, where I remember that being such an ugly thing to do, and then oh, like selling out. Yeah, it was like such a you know such a scarlet letter, and then then you saw bands making so much money from it, and then now we're also at this point where like it's gone so far in the other direction that like people would pay like you've gone from bands turning down being in a Budweiser commercial to, to people paying to be in a Budweiser ban commercial. bands getting paid house buying money to be in a Budweiser okay. commercial. Yeah. And then totally. now you're paying money to be in a Budweiser yeah. commercial just for the exposure. Like that's actually gone so far in the other direction. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's really nuts. You don't really hear the term sellout anymore because I mean, maybe you do. I don't feel like I don't. I, I don't hear it a whole lot. And it's so funny because in a way, 
I wonder what bands of then, if like you could go in a time machine and say like, hey, this is what bands are going to be doing in the 2000s. I mean, the, the they pie might be has like, gotten a lot the, smaller, They might man. be like, what the fuck? Oh, sure. You know, so it's like, I feel like what everybody is doing now is selling out themselves to a point where, yes, it's getting to a point where instead of, it, you know, it being a deal where we get paid money as musicians, we are paying to put our art into the world and paying to get put on a platform. Yeah. That, that, well, some that, people are, you don't have to do it. And that's yeah. kind of like back to the beginning of the conversation when you're saying you don't have to lose your ass doing this. That's one place I'm not willing to go. There's a lot like, of people that do that. But again, I think that those, what they get from paying that stuff, it's very temporary. I don't it's think very, it's, I don't think it's, I don't think they really, there's not a good return on investment. No, there. fuck no. Um, I think, Ooh, I mean, as far as like the sellout thing goes, like I, I would never hurl that at anybody because you know what, man, it's a, it's cold out there, and anyone who has really been out there doing it for any length of time will tell you the same thing, and like if you're gonna get some money from being in like a Chevy commercial, like good on you, yeah, like I'm glad that you're making money doing this, and it doesn't cheapen anything you're doing. I don't think that anyway. Like it's. I mean, I guess there are certain like moral causes that I would like. Sure. I would never license something to, but like, if it's something like fairly innocuous, like that doesn't make it any worse. You know, like, you know, Da Vinci had patrons too. Like, not everything he was doing was like a great, you know, grand statement all of the time. Like, totally. And that's the I, I think like an important thing to maybe remember, at least if you're like a really. I don't want to say struggling indie rock artist, but if you're, you know, just a musician and if general. you're just down there plowing the fields, so I think you know? that a big, I wish I would have figured this out a lot earlier because my background was in the like DIY underground punk sort of thing. Sure. Where money is so taboo. Right. You know, you know, you want to have donation based shows or like cheap door prices and you want to do like fair prices on your merch and yeah. all these things. And if you're asking for too much money, you get shunned. I'm coming from the same place. So yeah. And that's... now as I'm older, I'm like, fuck that. And a thing that I've been saying a lot now is, you know, if people in any sort of music community, especially like this DIY punk community or anything, if they want to be able to establish themselves and what they're doing and really do it full time, they need to put more of a value on what they're doing and be okay with the concept of money. Yeah, I don't really like fetishize like obscurity for that reason. Like just because like just a modicum of this will will make your life infinitely easier. And the, the yeah. people that I know, like they if you're doing this, like you you need I'm not saying a lot. I'm not no. greedy here. Yeah, I'm not same. asking for tons. I'm just saying that like I think it's important too to like recognize that not everybody has the means to, you know, contribute financially that oh, might want to be sure. a part of the scene. And I'm absolutely. not saying push anybody out. The, absolutely. But I'm at definitely the same not time, saying that. But like, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with like being financially solvent and sustainable. Yeah. That's really like at a certain point, like at, at a certain point, you got to keep the wheels on the road. And I also and think that's really what, Yes, and you, you know. need to 
be very aware of the people that are at your shows and how much are they really contributing to what you're doing in the long in the long run because this thing, a thing that I'll get a lot say coming from like the that DIY background is you get people that don't want to pay to come to a show so you have your free show or your <clears throat> donation based show yeah they don't donate anything when they come in they just come in to drink beers hang out with their friends they're not picking up any of your merch it's just another body in the room so at the end of the day yeah is it really helping your push your art forward not I, really i, I mean, mean that's kind of why i've stepped aside from that whole scene in general the like only the way that i can see things. where that would be contributing in some way is just in that a crowd attracts a crowd so if like yeah you see a lot of people hanging around something like it makes you want to go over there and see what's going on but like if they're not doing anything for you and like the thing that I, I find really frustrating about that is like those same people who are like going to grouse about paying five or seven dollars to get into a show because they don't have any money. It's like, I'm going to see you drink all night. Totally. Like, when you get through the door here, it's just like, that they have money for the show. It's just that your work isn't valuable to them. Right. And that's you know? fine. But now it might, you know, tender age of 32 <laughs> i'm like you know fuck you if you can't contribute if if i'm not of any value to you that you can't even like throw a few bucks to like understand that like that's going towards a good cause then yeah. i don't need to share my art with you i'm this not gonna, like, yeah i mean it, it what's it's like, what's the point in this? it's like i don't want to you know? sound like a dick but i feel like if me saying that comes off as a dick to anybody that they're probably not somebody that i want to be around anyways it's right. like either you understand that or you don't yeah like that's yeah that there's nothing wrong with kind of separating some wheat from some chaff on that and i'm not like i'm not chasing anybody out of anything but like if nobody if you're not supporting it in any way like well, yeah, what are you doing there's been plenty of times, you know, when I've promoted my own shows and things like that, and there have been people that shoot me a text and they're like, hey, you know, how much is the show tonight? You know, five bucks, ten bucks, blah, 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 blah. And there's like, oh, like, I really want to come out, but I don't have it. And I'm just like, okay, if you really want to come to the show, just come to the show. I'll put you on the guest list. I understand you don't sure. got a lot of money. I know you just reach out. I don't want to push anybody out that might want to be a genuine part of right, something. Right. But if you don't want to pay for something just because... You just want to be there to fuck around with your friends and just it's like then eh, that's really I don't want to help you out. Yeah. I don't want to help you out. If you're not going to help me out, I'm not going to help. There's you out. a big difference there. There's a really big and there's all there. you know like the, the that person that maybe you know I put them on the guest list for a show or two. I know that eventually they're probably going to pick up a CD or a shirt when they have the money, or sure. they're going to even just share my shit around all over Facebook or all over whatever. And that's, there's the value in that. There's a real, there's there's a lot of value to that. And like the people who do that are, are gold, man. I I really, I can't appreciate that enough. And I can't thank those people enough for doing that. A lot of people, a lot of people that aren't behind the curtain, I think sometimes they don't understand the value that really is like them just simply just talking a post or sharing a post. Like it's again, People pay money for that kind of stuff. Yeah, you actually you, you know, pay money to there Facebook. There are artists that pay thousands of dollars to run these marketing campaigns to get people to like and share their stuff. Yeah. But it's like, I already have a couple thousand friends on Facebook. If I could just get like 10% of you to sure. share around this album I just put out, it's going to help me so much. Well, there's kind of that like... um like sort of like cocktail napkin math that I, I found kind of intriguing. Like people always say that if you... 
if you have a thousand fans, like you can actually do it in a sustainable way from that. And, and that's based on if you have a thousand people who are willing to pay a hundred dollars a year, um, to support your band. So be that like, if there are a thousand people who like will go to enough shows to equal that amount of money by t-shirts, by vinyl record, like you can kind of split that money up however you want. But if, the, if you have that, like that can really, what's the number a hundred? Well, yeah, like yeah, I heard not, I, that doesn't seem like no, a whole no, lot. A, a either. thousand, uh, a hundred thousand, thousand people, people are, spending a no, hundred dollars. That's what I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like when you put it in those terms, like that's actually, that doesn't seem too unlikely. Like, you could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of how active you are as a band and how willing you are to tour. Sure. Because I would say, like, right now, like, we'll say, for example, Greywalker. You know, we might have 100 people in Pittsburgh. Right. Hands down that would be willing to do that for us. Yeah. But if we were touring enough that we could have 99 other cities where we can make the same amount of fan base and we would be there. Oh, that's magic then. Yeah. Like we did, we did 150 shows last year and we're going to be doing that again this year too. And probably every year kind of for the foreseeable future. Um, and like, we're kind of at that point where we're, we're very lucky in that we're seeing like some positive growth from just what happens when you return to a place every two months, you know, like, and it's, and then we also, you know, we did like a, a West Coast tour this year too. We went up to Canada once, um, but really we've kind of been working like the Eastern U.S. and the Midwest pretty like hard, mm-hmm. and we're kind of starting to see that thing where like you know it, it, it's really nice because you see like that tangible growth of like having played to ten people and then next time twenty people and now fifty people and like it feels like solid and like it, you can trust it. Like it's not going to get taken away from you. And like each time you come back, like you're playing a little bit nicer of a club or something like that. Like this is like the treatment gets a little better and a little better. And it's really, it's a wonderful feeling to see that happen. And once again, it's not even like it's anything outlandish. It's just like, Oh, well we, we played to 10 people last time and there are 30 here tonight. So that feels like a victory, you know? So with you being it, you're, you know, a West Virginia based musician, but I know you probably have a good bit of a relationship with Pittsburgh as well. Weirdly enough, we don't play here very often, which okay. is kind of, is kind of like funny to me, but like we've had, we played at Mr. Small's back in February and like it's, it's becoming more of like a regular thing, but it's really funny because we would go, we just don't play here very much, which is, is strange to me. I live like an hour and a half away. Yeah. It's so weird. I was what I was going to ask was, though, because there was a very the the state of the Pittsburgh music scene has been quite of a hot topic over the past couple months. I've been seeing some rumblings. Yeah. 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 And my feeling of it is and maybe you can comment on this. Maybe you can't. I don't really feel like it's much different than anywhere else. I mean, I think that it might actually I think there might actually be a little bit more here than other cities Seems to be cool to me to yeah. be completely honest <laughs> sure yeah you know we have a ton of like there's a plenty of places to play yeah you know a decent amount of responsible promoters and plenty of talent so i don't know what else you want yeah that's 
and you have like infrastructure in place to promote it. Like there's like a, there's a local newspaper, you have radio stations, you have some blogs. Yeah. I think that the, really all the things are, are there that you need to have like a music scene. I think what people get bent out of shape about is the fact it's like whenever their bands aren't getting mentioned. Sure. So it's their bands not getting mentioned. So the whole city has a fucking problem. Right. And my view of it yeah, is like, it's... well, there's just too much. All these blogs or newspapers or bands, they can only talk about so many things every issue or every right. month. Right, yeah. And, you know, if you want to get acknowledged, if you want to be in that paper, you need to do more. Well, that's really what it comes down <laughs> to. And, and that's like that's some tough love. But, like, yeah. you know, the world doesn't owe you a gig. The no. world doesn't owe you a think piece. The world doesn't owe you a critic's pick or a play on the radio. And... I mean, I, for one, I feel grateful anytime any of these things happens, you know, and I always just try to remember that. And like, I think that you just have to look at that as like incentive to work a little harder. Like, and that's, I don't think it's that cold to say that really. No, like, I don't either. Yeah. I don't know. I take a very and, like survival of the fittest mentality when it comes sure, to this sort of discussion. Absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of bands out there. I mean, there are tons of them. Yeah. Like, you got to do something to differentiate yourself. And I think the other thing, too, is like the bands that get really bent out of shape about that on a local level or when they talk about kind of like scene stuff, like those are also the same bands that I don't really see going out of town very often. No. You know, like if, you know, let's say you're based out of Pittsburgh, like you can start making those kind of like, you know, those kind of spider web baby steps. And that'll get you a lot further than like grousing about how like you're mad that like you don't get any love in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, like, it blows my mind. I think that another big problem that maybe Pittsburgh has versus like a we'll say like a New York or an LA or a Chicago, like a sure. big city, yeah, is that we let this kind of bullshit slide here versus other bigger cities that are very cutthroat, you know, where like right, if, if you're right. not on top of your shit, you're not getting gigs. There's no there's no platform for you. Well, like or if, like you if know. you if you look at like the the New Yorks, the LAs, the Chicago. I'm not saying or, that I want Pittsburgh to be. Oh like no, that. of course not. Yeah. You know, but I think the thing you have in those places is those are like destinations for, you know, for people who want to want to do this. Like you know, like Nashville is like another really big one, and you've got people who like were probably the best and the brightest in their small hometowns, and then you have all of them like salmon swimming upstream. They've made it to the big city there. So like all of a sudden, like there are a thousand great guitar players or there are a thousand great bands yeah. or something like that. And like, it kind of makes you, you got to be on top of your shit. You've got to be on top of your shit. I just, and, I, and like, even to a certain extent, you kind of need to be on top of your shit, even in a, a bigger city like this. Like this is not, not a small town by any measure, yeah. you know, like, and I think the thing is like, if you just, if you're like complaining about how like, you're not getting any love in the local scene or something like, well, just keep playing Pittsburgh and then like go to Columbus tomorrow. Come on down to Morgantown, go up to Erie, go to Buffalo, go over to Philly. Like if you start doing that, that's going to get you way further than anything else. Yeah. You know? It's, ugh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of all the, the whining. Yeah. It's, it's, pretty... and, all, yeah, all, and all the whining typically comes from people that have nothing to contribute, but they're whining. <laughs> right. And it's, it's also like this, they're also the same people that tell you like, Oh man, you know, the music business it just comes down to luck. Like, well, maybe, but you know, you can kind of create a lot of your own luck. 
if you really want to. Like, you could, I mean, sure. Like, at a certain point, all of your peers have something to offer. Like, if you are the best, the best band in a very small town, like, just because you have like working equipment and you've got a solid 45 minutes may automatically make you the best band in your hometown, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And then when you like come somewhere else and there are a lot of bands that got a, a tight hour and all of their stuff works, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's not necessarily enough anymore. And then you just, you kind of keep moving up that ladder where you get to a point where it's like, everyone's got a lot to offer. Like, you get to a certain point where like everyone's got great tunes. Everyone's got some virtuoso players. It's like the nuances that make you different. At that point, yeah. And and then you get to a certain point where everyone has nuances. And I would say maybe at that point, it certainly comes down to a little bit of like X Factor and other stuff. But it's not like enough that is going to like. If you just complain about how it's luck you can also just spend that time getting better or working harder or something like, or at least getting some enjoyment out of the art form even. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm very happy in that, you know, I can play in a band that, you know, is very self sustainable and, you know, I make all my money doing music and blah, 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 blah. I'm good. I'm very happy on that. But I think that you get a lot of people that, I don't know, they like look up to like these very, very high tier levels of uh, making money. Sure. And it's like if they can't accomplish that, then they're not going to be happy. And it seems it's like a if little I can't silly. Do this, I'm not going to do that. You but... know, at the end of the day, it's like I'm doing this because I want to do it. Oh, of course. And, and all the other stuff is just like an awesome side effect. Well, like if, if, I you, still... if, you, if you look at those high, high tiers of musicians, like there are like five people a generation who get to do that. Like, who can realistically think that's going to happen to them? And I'm not telling anybody to, like, give up on their dreams or something. I'm just saying, like, not everybody gets to be Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, like, understanding, like, what you want and once you have it. Sure. I kind of mentioned this before, just learning to appreciate what you have. Absolutely. You know, that's, uh, you know, the, at the end of the day, the, the music does have to be its own reward. Like that has to be its own motivation. Yeah, you have to be doing it because you want to do it and but putting out the all, things that you believe in. All that external stuff is going to go away from time to time. And it's very nonlinear. Like you can have a really, really big gig and then play to no one the next night, you know, and you just have to like be kind of strong enough with what you're doing that you can not let that get to you. And I know that I, I really wrestled with that a lot, like in my younger days of like, Oh man, I played a smoking show in my hometown. It was awesome. There were 200 people there. It was great. And then you drive three hours and there are two people there and it was not great. And that stuff used to really just like really get to me in a bad way. Like I would come home just convinced that what I was doing sucked and how I needed to throw in the towel. And it's really not the case. You know, you just need to keep doing it and understanding that you know, everyone's going to have those ups and downs, like even really, really popular people. Yeah. Not every night is going to be like that. Yeah. For, for anybody that is a uh, Pittsburgh centric and uh, maybe more versed in the, the heavy metal realm, there used, there was a club here called Metropole. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Metropole. That was like, that was a big deal when I was a kid. Do you man. know there was a time in Iron Maiden's career where they played Metropole? Really? Yes. 
That doesn't in like actually, the late nineties. That does not 2000s. actually surprise me. And like they're a stadium band. Sure. But yeah, there was a very dark period in their career where they played the Metropole. Which when you really think about it, like, yeah, by comparison to like the gloriest of glory days for those guys, that must have seemed like Bush League. But yeah, but they've come back up. Now they're back. You know, they're of course they're that's a stadium stands. Yeah. But then at the same time, like if the absolute worst thing that can happen to you is playing a sold out show at the Metropole, like <laughs> that's not too I'm, bad. I'm not really. It was like, sold out. But yeah, that's still a lot of people. That's still a lot of people. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that ain't bad. Yeah. You know. So now let's uh, wrapping things up. Where can people find your latest release that you put out and the other material? Drop some socials. Absolutely. Let's drop some socials. First of all, got to give a big shout out. Misra Records, the greatest record label in the history of the world. And um, I'm I just endless, endless thanks to all of them for believing in what we do and, and really going to the mat for us time and time again. You can find all of our music at MizraRecords.com or... Um, Find uh, WilliamMaffini.com or I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Like Instagram. the band page. Don't send them a friend request. Friend request, fine, too. Come on over. <laughs> That's all good. That's all good. Um, uh, but you can find the new album on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Amazon, Google Play. Uh, I'm all over the goddamn internet. So anywhere you want to be. What I'll is- meet you halfway with it. We have a, a heavy Pittsburgh listenership here. Let's say like at least 75% of the fan base is Pittsburgh. So do you have any Pittsburgh or close area gigs coming up? Um, let's see here. What do we have coming up? We, I, I do not know that we have anything in Pittsburgh coming up soon, which is a, a damn shame. So we will be here soon. I think we're, we're, we're shooting for something probably in July, I think. Um, we uh we're here early and often though and we will be seeing you soon we're, yeah. we're gonna be gonna be on the road pretty heavy we've got um a bonnaroo appearance happening in june we got pretty cool. a, a lot of southern stuff coming but we're gonna be we're gonna be back up in the burg real soon i promise nice and that's all folks scene <laughs> thanks so much for listening hope you enjoyed the conversation William one more time thank you for stopping by thanks for having me it was me. awesome to talk to you I'll be back again next week with another episode same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is Sykes start the beat 2018 whoop woo give him a whoop 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 woo thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs> cool alright that was awesome Thanks for having me, man. This was fun.